I fell in love in New York the moment I landed here at JFK on March first, nineteen ninety-four. My brother picked me up. We got in a New York taxi. They were differently shaped, and we rode from the airport toward the Manhattan skyline. And I, I remember you were done for. I just remember the feeling of like incredible excitement and anticipation and a little bit of fear. But mainly excitement. It's that part where fear and excitement, you don't really know which is what. And that's that's a great thing about fear. And we got to the city, and my brother was living with three other people, 64 Second Avenue. Uh, I went into the place and met who uh, the guy who was the original guitarist for Space Hog, a guy called Bob Carreri. And we went next door to this restaurant called Bonafides, it was on Second Avenue, and I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money at the time, so I couldn't eat. Uh, but I didn't really need to eat. Uh, and then we went out to some bars in the East Village till about 2 o'clock in the morning, which was completely new to me because you can't do that in Leeds, where yeah. I'm from. You know, So pubs shut at 11, so you have to go to an Indian restaurant if you want to have more alcohol or whatever. And uh, You're what, 22, 21. 21, yeah. I was very kind of naive 21-year-old, too, in some ways. You kind of have to be to move to New York and start a rock and roll band, right? It, or it certainly helps. Yeah, I didn't come to start a rock and roll band. To be honest with you, I would had a band in, in, uh, in the UK. We'd gotten offered a record deal, but I didn't believe really in the band. I think I uh, New York, for me, was a, a great way to kind of, um, you know, escape that path. And yet you get off the plane, yeah. and you meet up with your brother, and you yeah. meet up with your first guitar player. Yeah. If well, nothing else, it was fate, maybe. No, I was forced into it by my brother, back into it by my brother, Anthony, um, who very much kind of, you know, didn't have very much of a musical experience, but had a lot of kind of drive toward that end. And he convinced me that I should stay, and if I was going to stay, I was just saying to Kwan, my friend here, uh, when I came, initially I was going to be a bicycle messenger, but almost died on the, you know, I was not cut out for that <laughs> at all. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to stay, I'm going to get a job uh, doing something I like. So I, um, I started calling all the recording studios mm-hmm. in, in New York and I got to be for Baby Monster. And the woman that picked up the phone was a girl called Jill Wizoff and she was the manager of the studio. I'm assuming it says a happy ending because you remember her name. Oh, Jill, yeah. Well, Jill used to play bass for Johnny Thunders. My former manager in Leeds when I was in bands, Stevie Vane, uh, his real name, Stephen Hume, had opened up for Johnny Thunders Hmm. on tour. And she immediately asked me, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Leeds. She said, do you know Stevie Vane? I said, yeah, yeah, he used to to manage me. She said, great, come in tomorrow. And I came in and I, I was an intern for a while and then a couple of weeks later the, the, the this chap he told the boss that he should replace the uh paper towels with you know reusable towels and that was the last straw for for the boss of the studio and he fired him on the spot and i got his job i i was able to go to the guy who's the boss steve berg who's dead now and say hey i'm gonna have to go back to england unless you can you know, pay me a bit of money. So, in spite of this almost dying as a bike messenger, this actually sounds like a pretty charmed New York experience. I mean, you only oh, yeah. you only had to get to BA in the phone book to get your first job. Yeah, that's right. Oh uh, man, uh, I don't know why, but uh, I do know why. Glenn and I were just talking about it before, but 
you know, whenever I need that thing, if I ask for it, if I really ask for it and I really need it, it comes. You know what I mean? It comes. And uh, I'm talking about need, though. uh, You know, ah. dire straits. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back on it, man, that time, you know, uh, I came from a working class family. I I came with, you know, it's true. I came with like, I don't know, $600, $700 traveler's checks, which, you know, that was all I could muster, which was not bad. I mean, a lot. Early 90s, yeah. Mid 90s, yeah, yeah, early 90s, I suppose. Um, But it was a finite, you know, amount of time I had. You didn't have an exit strategy other than just no. shipping yourself back home. Yeah, exactly. It was either succeed or or, uh, or go home. So that was a motivating factor. I think so. Yeah. Um, no, I think music was the motivating factor. Um, music. Yeah. You didn't necessarily want to be in a band, but you knew you wanted to be around music. Yeah. I. I. Well, I knew I definitely didn't want to be in that band I was in. I knew that. I didn't know that. I was a little fed up of being in bands, you know, mm. uh, and um, I was on the phone with Anthony, my brother, last night, and he's still doing the same thing, you know, he's still like, yeah, listen, we'll do this, and, you know, and we do, we still have, like, a lot of creative connection, and, and I love that about him, he's very kind of, uh, he's a great instigator, uh, he's not a great kind of finisher offer, you know, and I think that's between the two of us. That's where I kind of came in. Yeah. I was the finisher offer, really, you know. Um, and also, you know, so I'd written a lot of what became Resident Alien, the Space Hog record, before I even got to New York. And I finished it off here, you know. And then, of course, I was in the recording studio. And I, I had the keys after a couple of months, which was unbelievable. You know, the Ramones, Dinosaur Jr., all these bands were coming in the day. And I, they'd go home at midnight whenever, and I'd put my own little you know, two-inch tape on. and So it, it felt like a ch- pretty charmed experience from the beginning. That was amazing, man. Yeah. That was the best time in my life, working there. You'd already signed with a record label in the no. UK. Well, well, no, the I UK. didn't sign it. didn't do it. Or you, I, had, an, you had the opportunity. I had an table. offer, but I didn't take it. You know, you move here, you get a job pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I mean, that time frame between that and the first record coming out is not really all that long the first record was 95 so that's what a year or two it was a year and a half yeah yeah the sorts of struggles with the music industry that didn't really come until later well people think that yeah for space hog but it is a pretty short timeline though it's a very short timeline for that thing but i'd done my ten thousand hours as they say i'd definitely done that i'd done that from from you know i started with music when i was seven years old you know, uh, and, uh, you know, I was playing in bands in the UK by the time I was 12. It was sneaking me into the clubs, literally sneaking me in because I was, I was a kid. You know, I pursued that very, you know, uh, that was compulsive for me. It, and it still is. You know, it's still the same. That thing's still, still compulsive for me. I still feel that. I, nothing's changed in that sense. How soon after that first record coming out did you know that it was going to be a hit I, there's a song i put on the end of the record called to be a millionaire was it likely was well, it's two songs uh essentially and um to be a millionaire was recorded at the, i got fired from that rec- from that studio job because uh we took a demo deal 
from Columbia Records. For f- they offered us $5,000 to go make some demos. And we said, okay, well, let's do it a baby monster because I don't have to go work then. And plus, that's how I met Bryce, who produced the record. And Bryce is there, and he's really good. And Anyway, got fired. That guy who was the man- uh, is the, ran the, owned the studio wanted me to, uh, he wanted to manage Space Hog. And we kind of knew that it wasn't going to work out. It wasn't, mm. He wasn't the right guy, you know. And he was pissed off, you know. He was pissed off because ultimately I couldn't pay him the five grand that we'd spent in the t- studio time because the contract from Columbia was like we could never make another record deal in our lives for five grand, so we didn't do it. So I got fired. So I went back there on Resident Alien after we'd made the record pretty much and recorded that song in an hour and a half and paid him like paid that guy who was my former boss 150 bucks to do that song um and and then was it likely was a kind of ode to the the insecure self my yeah. insecure self that was like it's never going to work yeah it's never going to be a success you know which still exists too and you know but so there were these two sides to that it was like to be a millionaire on the one side which was which was all about you know, uh, bravado and uh, belief and faith. And then was it likely, which was this kind of other side to that, which is the shadow, you know, of that. They're like, this will never work. So I, I was fully aware that, that, uh, that you know, <laughs> that there was a good chance I'd never be heard of again uh, at that time. I d- we were just lucky, you know, and well, not not lucky. A lot of things lined up at the right time and, in the meantime, was put out. It wasn't immediately very successful. It took a while. Radio, it started college radio. I remember sitting... I, I was never really that bothered about... I've never really been that bothered about that stuff. Uh, I like uh, making... About what? About the kind of like what happens to music after you make it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I like it's nice it. that people hear it and to get that feedback <sighs> to go out and play for people. That's Man, that's a gift. Yesterday, or Sunday, actually... I met a young lady who was introduced to uh, uh, her by her uh, partner. And she said, you know, I took a plane the bass because of in the meantime, you know. That's that that's amazing. You I never mean, grew to resent that song? How can I resent that song? A lot of people who have a big hit, that, that one really big hit, learn to hate it and won't. I, look, I don't really, I don't really want to like... Uh, uh, I, I, you know, it's very complex, man. My it's, relationship. It's also because you know, and I can't imagine a thing that I created when I was, you know, twenty three, twenty four, just kind of being a definitive document. I'm really glad, for example, that when I was a high school student, Facebook wasn't around. I'm glad, yeah. you know, I'm glad the the internet wasn't around the way it's around now because you know, I look back on things that I wrote a week or two ago yeah. and pretty embarrassed by them. Right. I'm not embarrassed by it in any way. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I don't really think about it, to be honest. Yeah. I really don't. It was a song, a bunch of other songs. It's. I don't think it's particularly special, personally. Uh, it's just, I have a lot of songs that are special to me. Uh, they're all unique to me, but as the idea of writing a song is not unique, you know. I don't think it's, you know, it's a song. And, and yeah. it... it, it, it what can I do about it after it's, you know, out there in the world? Not much. Yeah. You know what I mean? So why would I, I don't know. I don't want to sing it all the time and I don't want to kind of go on about it. Can we change this a bit? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you, do you feel like the, 
record label knew what to do with you at the time. You know, it, it definitely is still sort of coming off of that big wave of. We had a, we had a great team at that time. Seymour um, Stein headed it up. You oh know. wow! Um, you know, he put a great team together, and people believe Seymour is a real patron of the arts. You know, um, and everybody needs one of those who's an artist. We were very fortunate in him. Uh, but there's a, the, you know, it, there was a great family around at that point, and uh, for 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 Sire Records, and uh, we were fortunate. Yeah, I mean, he was there with the Ramones. He was really, yeah. he had been doing it for a while, and they Madonna, yeah, uh, you know, the Smiths. Oh, these were all records that you know I certainly are Talking Heads. You know, yeah. listening to as a kid and seeing that S in the middle of the record, yeah. you know, spin round and. So yeah, that's why we signed with Sire. A big, a big reason was because of because of his roster and and also because he was an educated. He's an educated. He still is. He's, I saw him six, three months ago. He's an educated guy. He likes you know the finer things, and that's a, an attractive person to be around. You know, we always had fun with that, and uh, I love him. He's great. So how soon do you? start on the next record i i I don't really remember the whole like what happened after that you know we did a lot of touring uh we toured constantly for about two years um and uh you know um i think we put on a great show for the most part and uh uh you know we, we we um we had some fun so let's talk about the new record yes (laughs) <laughs> yes, let's. <laughs> it's much better than Space Hog, honest. Well, it's it's you know it's it's a different yeah. person at a different different mm-hmm. time of life. It's it's mm-hmm. you know considerably mellower and mm-hmm. throughout most of it. Yeah, I mean, I assume it was written in a very different way. Was there a lot of you kind of sitting down at, at the piano? I don't think it was written in a different way. It's great to be sitting in where I'm sitting right now. You know. Um, with the insight that yeah. I have, as far as songwriting or life or everything, everything, you, everything, know. you know, it's all in there, hmm. you know. I think, and um, my experience and the strength that I've drawn from that, you know, I think you hear within the re- this record, everything standing, that there's a kind of there's a lot of hope too, you know, there's a lot of hope there. So, hope um, as far as hope as far as kind of accepting what's real you know accepting what is and sometimes there's sorrow in that sometimes there's there's pain and suffering and uh uh sometimes there's joy and you know all these different emotions and experiences and you know lovers and and places and and these things and some of that's lost people die you know and things are lost homes are destroyed and and yet uh, there's a growth from that too, you know. It's like a kind of sitting where I'm sitting now. You know, I can see the seasons of my own life, and uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing, you know, to, to have that, and to now have my own son to reflect upon his dad, you know, and and backwards and forwards is such a gift, man. Such a gift. Once you get to the point where you're talking about life as seasons, it it is it's pretty bittersweet right of course that's the point that's what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah. The, the the that's the price for love isn't it that's what they you know that's the price of love is is uh loss you know well, sooner or later sooner or later one day or uh, you know we all have to even 
independent of that, there's just kind of the loss of time. You know, you're yeah. not um, you're not that 22 year old who. No, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you are you actually able to enjoy life <laughs> now more at this point than? No, nah, it's no. horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> <You're done>? uh, <laughs> I yeah. the, the uh, last fleeting moments. Man, uh, yeah, exactly. Hurry yeah. <laughs> up. Um, yeah, no, I uh, I don't think I've ever been happier than I am right now. To be honest. Yeah. Is it? Um, I mean, how much of that is circumstantial, and how much of that, again, is you just kind of being able to take stock in things? Uh, well, I mean, uh, you feel like your when you say circumstantial, what do you mean? Circumstantial, as far as you know, like external forces, as far as um, you know, just happy with the different aspects of your life, or is it, a, or is it more of a kind of an inner peace that you've been able to tap into? I uh, um, look. Uh, there's a piece in the kind of recognition throughout my experience that um it you know throughout it all the 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 you know the highs and the lows um I've always been okay and yeah. uh you know the externals of that you know the the, the you know the 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 couch the kid uh, the wife you know any of that any of it you know the drugs the you know the donuts is that and that's all well and good but it's more of a like fulfilled i'm more fulfilled you know what i mean so that's what's important to me being fulfilled and i've never been more fulfilled in my life my family life particularly my relationship with my son which is personal but it's it's uh profound for me I can't put it into words, so I'm not going to bother. <laughs> I'm even going to try. <laughs> put it in. Put it into song. Exactly. Well, exactly. That's what I do do. Yeah. That's what I do do, and that's what this record is about. It's really. It actually is for my son. It says on the record. If you, I meant to bring you a copy, but I didn't. yeah, I, uh, I'll bring you one round because okay. I, I live nearby. Here, okay. so, um, Was your songwriting always that personal? No, no. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, on, again, on that, I'm sorry, going back in time a little bit, yeah. but on that first record that there yeah. were personal elements to it from the standpoint of, you know, I mean, maybe they were maybe a little bit more obtuse than they are on this record, and maybe you weren't bearing yourself quite as much as you no, are here. I wasn't, but that's what I was doing then, you know, because yeah. I, I, my influences and, and what I thought, you know, was my voice, was my voice, you know what I mean? So, in a sense, it was as real as this is. You also were, again, 22, 23. You yeah. hadn't really lived nearly as much of a life as you have now. Yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean to say that it's not valid for that then. No, you know sure. What I mean? and, 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 but uh, you've got a lot more to draw on. I think, yeah, and, you know, look, I, I, this, the, the process is, is similar. There was, a, there was a conscious effort to try to be more literal than I'd ever been writing this, this music, and that, you know, is a direct result of being where I am today as a human being. You know, looking back on 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 my early music, there's, I'm trying to be like other people to some extent, yeah. Because that's how we get to figure out who we are, you know, and that's okay. Um, but in this, and I, look, I'll probably look back on this record, hopefully, with the blessing of I get to stick around a little mm -hmm. longer and think, oh yeah, yeah, that, I was I was actually still doing it. There. What I do know is is that. I know what I don't know today. A bit like, um, what's his name said? Um, Socrates, before they made him drink the hemlock. He drank the hemlock because he didn't want to, he didn't want to say that he would believe what they wanted him to believe. I don't know today. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And I'm cool with that. One of the traps that people often try to avoid is, is getting too cliche, especially when talking yeah. about love or loss sure. or life or all these. You sure, know. yeah. All I know is is that I was looking at a different perspective of my experience from at that time. It's a long time ago. Sure. You know, and don't forget. I mean, I, I think I wrote my first song when I was like twelve or something. You know, so you know, if you want to really just look at the whole body of work, it's, yeah. it's it, you know, I went to see David. Not comparing myself to a great artist like David Hockney, but when I went to see his his show here, it was on in London too. I so thought that's an incredible show if you get a chance to go see it. And the beauty of seeing a great artist's work is just seeing the seeing that. You know, you see the paintings from when he was still at school yeah. to like, and it's you see st- you see how he's experienced like looking at you know obviously looking at Picasso or whoever his heroes were, uh, Mentus, and, and 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 then then finding his own uh, voice. You know, it takes a long, long time to do that. It's not, it's it. You know, you're not born. Nobody's born a master. You you you. The, the the idea is is that we work towards improvement. And that's what I'm trying to do. That was something I had to be kind of hit over the head with a lot in life to really start to appreciate fine art is the yeah. importance of context. That cliche conversation around modern art of, you know, if my kid could draw that. But once right. you learn right. where the artist was at, once you learn the things that they were working against at that point in life, you exactly. begin to, to appreciate what it is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When creating a document of this point in your life for your kid, what are the what are the things you feel the need to get across? I don't really have an agenda. You're again creating this document. Yeah. There are certain things you want to tell him on record. Yeah. Look, I think you know you, you listen to a song like you know you can't go home again, and uh, I, I suppose I'm explaining in some ways or trying to put into song what we're talking about here which is that this is me and uh this is you know these are the places that we lived and this is the kind of you know um, and as i said i i kind of likened it to to growing up here recently around new york and seeing the kind of regentrification yeah. of, of 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 particularly the, the, like the west village very heavy you know i i started in the east village work my way west and you know uh, between 1994 and 2004 uh and then 2014 you know these this this enormous amount of change yeah and uh i've witnessed that and and it reminded me and and it kind of there was a metaphor for me for my own experience of of grief and loss and and also of of joy and uh, and of really finding the real beauty in 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 uh, relationships um uh relationship with myself you know first and foremost uh and that's you know that's kind of you, i i hope that that that's you know that's kind of re- represented and there's evidence yeah. there's ev- is what it is just evidence that's all you know, you know, New York can be a difficult place to to be reflective, to be yeah. mindful, to be in the moment because it is a place that's constantly changing. That's the one consistent, and that's one of the big complaints that everybody has with the city. Is you know, they always not, have though. That's yeah. that's also consistent. You know what I mean? That's never changed. So 
in that sense, you know, New but by the way, that's happening in the globe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if we really want to get into the details of it, you know, in the last, since 1950, uh, there hasn't been really enormous amount of change, I think, overall, you know. Since I mean, really, since the invention of the uh, internal combustion engine and uh, electricity, yeah, you know what I mean. Those are the two big ones. The now internet was the, important. The internet's important. The internet's important, but it's not that important. It's not as important. It hasn't changed that much. We think it has, and that's kind of also what this record's about. We think that you know, there's this illusion that everything's dandy, but yeah. in a sense, it's all just a dream. It's all just a like. You know, it's all sure. just—it's all a, a, a fantasy that we all play along with. How new is this this appreciated version of yourself? You know, of, of somebody who like really does appreciate where he is in life. That's obviously something that you you have to work toward. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there oh, must man, have been I, points where. <laughs> listen, I've 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 danced around with the shadow, put yeah. it that way, and um, you've dealt with depression. I think, you or at least any, you've been I think depressed. Any art, I think any artist that's that's uh, that's made anything of worth has, you know, had some part of themselves that is not quite there, and they've tried to fill that, you know, with all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes to the edges of of life itself, you know, um, and when uh, you know. When one does that, um, either you have a spiritual exit yeah. planned, or you just really like, you know, something divine happens, and you're you're plucked out of that, and you don't know why. And uh, you know, as I said before, when I look back at things like the call with uh, saying with Jill, uh, you know, I've always been, I just didn't always know it, but yeah. I've always been taken care of. It is crazy. There are, you know, really only a handful of moments in your life that you can point to in hindsight where just like that, that exact moment, that one thing that happened, that completely changed the, the trajectory for me. Yeah. And, and, and who knows? Who knows? You know, yeah. who knows what that was? You know, um, yeah, I don't know. Does they say in the program, you feel like you had to kind of bottom out? I think, you know, you don't have to. Um, but I mean, in in your own personal life story, there is that. Is that the moment that things turned around when you really kind of scraped the bottom? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but by the way, I mean that the, 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 there's not necessarily one scraping sure. of the bottom. Sure. Do you know what I mean? There, <laughs> sometimes I mean, you bounce. <laughs> sometimes you bounce, and sometimes you know um, you get to see other people bounce and not make it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that has an effect too. So, you know, yeah, you know. Uh, one of the things about being around New York and being around the time that, you know, uh, that that I was around, was there was some real amazing characters, you know, and 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 uh, I'm very, f- I feel very grateful for that experience of meeting those people at that time, and um, you know, a lot of them are not around, and uh, I'm just grateful that I am, yeah. and I get to like. You know, in whatever sense, continue on telling my side of the story. Do you know what I mean? Because, uh, as I said, there's, there's an insight there that not many people have. And I have it. And um, I want to bring more artists together to be able to 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 do that. You what, know? what do you mean by insight? 
Well, I mean, just you know, my experience. I've, 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 uh, you know, twenty um, odd years yeah. of being around the music business will give you a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's what I mean. And you know, some good and some, some not so good, and some, you know, some challenging moments. <laughs> As I say, you know, some people don't get to make that yeah. spiritual exit, and uh, fortunately, I have. And uh, whatever you want to call that, I don't want to. It's not about, you know, it's about doing stuff. It's about making stuff And for me today. And, uh, you know, and then letting go, letting go. And, like, uh, letting people or not, or my friends and my peers, um, you know, grade that. And, and, and the things that, that, that connect, connect and get behind those. And if it doesn't, do something else. You know what I mean? And that's how I feel about this this music. It's like I didn't even really know I was going to put this much effort into it, to be honest, because uh, I was busy doing something else, and then just the way things happened, that I, I, you know, um, I had more time to like go. Okay, you know what? There's a reason why I've got more time right now. So let's uh, yeah, let's kind of go and shout it from the rooftops. So I'm doing what I can do on that front. You know, I, obviously, uh, I'm very proud of of of, of what. And by the way, I haven't just done it myself. I've had a whole team of people. This guy Parker Kindred, who played with, who I've known on and off, even though I didn't think I knew him. Where he played with Jeff Buckley back twenty odd years ago, when Spa- which was Jeff and I uh, and Space Hog used to rehearse next door to each yeah. other. So he's playing drums, plays with Joan as Police Woman uh, now, and a bunch of other great cats. The guy Jay Rodriguez, uh, I, I got played saxophone. He played with Prince and one thing. Or another. Um, who else played? Timo Ellis. Played with Yoko Ono, knew him through Sean Lennon from Sean's. Sean's the guy on Resident Alien singing on one of the songs. And oh, really? Yeah, he got really pissed off with me at the time because um, I didn't want to. It was before the days of you know celebrity kind of that kind of <laughs> stuff, and, and uh, I just assumed that he wouldn't want me to use his last name, and I didn't really want to capitalize on the Lennon yeah. thing. And we were friends at that time, very close, and. Uh, I just put Sean because I thought everybody would know who it was anyway. And I didn't really think anybody would hear the records. So. But he was pissed off. He was like, why did you write my last name? Yeah. It, it sounds like it's sort of in the, in the early days of this specific project that you were okay having music be on the back burner or be a side project that you sort of did while you were living your life and working on other things. Music's always been that for me. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, the music <laughs> it doesn't... You know, it doesn't happen while you're like really concentrating hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, you know, Keith Richards didn't write the riff for satisfaction uh, by concentrating, story. right? <laughs> he f- he fe- yeah. fell asleep and he was on yeah. junk or whatever, you yeah. know? So, yeah, it's life. It's a good philosophy. I, I talk to people, I talk to specifically songwriters about this all the time. I mean, creative people in general, but it seems to especially apply to songwriters. Yeah. Um, you he- you hear a story like the satisfaction story, yeah. right? where he like wakes yeah. up and it's yeah. on a tape recorder. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to somebody about Astral Weeks. Oh yeah, yeah. And Van Morrison says that all the lyrics to that album came to him while he was sitting on the porch of his house. Uh-huh. And you know, these are stories you you romanticize, right? You want to you want this sort of feeling like yeah divine intervention like you yeah. know the, the muse is kind of feeding into yeah. you but that can kind of be a, a negative hearing those stories because you end up banging your head against the wall if that 
divine intervention doesn't come to you. What is divine intervention? I mean, I suppose that's the question. Sure. At least in terms of like, you know, the muse and, and this kind of creative idea is, is a, a piece, a, a work of art that comes together effortlessly. Yeah. Going back to painters again, mm. I don't think any of those great works of art came together effortlessly. Yeah. You know, I don't think uh, Van Gogh, Oh, however you want to say it, Van Gogh. No, he yeah. he definitely struggled. He, str- he struggled. He, <laughs> he struggled. He struggled over yeah. time. Over yeah. time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you know, um, you look at the sunflowers or yeah. any of those paintings that are now worth, you know, whatever. That uh, there was a there was more spiritual activity going on than there was certainly material. He never made a penny. So he wasn't thinking along those lines. He wasn't thinking, ah, oh, you know, I want to be like Van Morrison or Keith Richards and do that. I wasn't, oh, I've got to do that. You know, it's not where it comes from. Yeah. It come, it does come from effortlessness. But what is effortlessness? Do you know, if we meditate, then uh, where do? How do we get to effortlessness? Do you know what I mean? We don't know. We don't really know. It's practice. Is all it is. It's only practice. So, and the same with songwriting. And I'm sure the same for Van Morrison. Yeah, he probably wrote that all on his porch and whatnot. And it might have come very quickly. But the life and the experience that he had was his experience. And, I mean, if you really want to get into it, I'm sure that, you know, you couldn't understand it uh, without, you know, having a massive, you know, autobiography Mm -hmm. that's like this big. And even that would be some kind of a fantasy version that was his of it. You know what I mean? So... I don't, again, it's like, no, it's very difficult to talk about this stuff because it's really just doing it, yeah. you know? Everything else is just some kind of, like, fantasy or somebody else's, you know, fantasy of that, really. I don't know. It, it, to me, that's what I love about being in the recording studio is that at a certain point, you have you abandon the thing, you know? And it, that can be years doing that, you know? But you you just say, okay, fuck off. That's it. The kind of more laissez-faire approach to songwriting, or at least, you know, kind of letting it come in, in due time, is also something that I suspect that you had to kind of work up to. I mean, there must have been periods where you were really trying to kill yourself to make music. Yeah, I, I, I spent time, you know, frustrated. You know, I spent, after nine eleven here, mm. I had a house up in... Uh, in uh, Bearsville, I'd, I'd, uh, we made Space Hog made some records at, at Bearsville Studios, and I'd become friends with Sally Grossman, who uh, was Albert's wife, mm. who used to manage Bob Dylan and mm-hmm. did all that the band. And I, 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 she gave me very sweetly hippies, brilliant. <laughs> she gave me Robbie Robertson's house for the weekend, and <laughs> ended up keeping it for seven years, and never paid her a penny. Um, but it was a great place to, you yeah. know, get away from, you know, the, 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 the craziness of the zoo of New York, uh, city. And I spent a lot of time up there, you know, uh, I was very fortunate to have that time, but I, I made a lot of stuff, but I didn't ever feel like I was, I was getting there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So there was, the, the, there was a lot of like wheel spinning for a long period of time, um, but was really important to, I think, bring me to where I am now. Do you know what I mean? So it was valuable, but it wasn't, uh, you know, you could say it's not productive. I I didn't put any records out, but it it had a value to it. Yeah. It definitely had a value to me. Late last year, I took a 
a week off for the first time in God, I don't know how many years. And, you know, the whole had my like romantic, like, oh, I'm going to go be Thoreau. And I, tr- I tried to do the next best thing, you know, just sort of got a, uh, like rented like a cabin and just yeah. went into like a secluded area. And, and when you do that and you set aside a certain amount of time in which you're going to be productive or creative makes you really anxious when it doesn't come. Well, yeah, 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 it does. Well, that's a bit like doing drugs, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, you know, younger, my younger years took acid, yeah, you know, and uh, I didn't get anything done at the time, you know, it was like useless. It's like, think of all these great albums that were written while people were on LSD. But they were, you yeah. see, what it was, was, was you get to the other side of the shore and then yeah. you were able to look back yeah. and you kind of see in a way your own experience. So having the holiday like you had, yeah. you know, it's a bit like taking acid. You know what I mean? It's like if you fall into that, I've got to do this now. Yeah. I've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. That's not effortlessness. Do you know what I mean? That's the opposite of effortlessness. Were drugs ever part of trying to force the creative process for you? Uh, in some ways, yeah, I think so. Um, the psychedelics are kind of the obvious version yeah, of that. Psychedelics are definitely an obvious version of that. It's a, you know, it, it, you know, I think all of it is to try to understand you know, a kind of, you know, to speak from the force of nature yeah. or to seek this, you know, that source. <laughs> really kind of like uh, up your own arse here. But you sort of briefly touched on this. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, how much this is coming from a, a definite example in your life. But you mentioned meditation. And that's also mm. the point of meditation, right? Is to silence everything else. To, to No, that's not the point of meditation. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I don't know what it is for, for, sure. for you or for anybody else, but, you know, from, again, again, to talk about this, it's not, <laughs> you know, for me, it's just to observe. It's just mm. to observe what it is, you know, and not judge it and not punish and not shame and not go to that place. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just to go, okay, um, that's, that was, that you know, that was that fish swimming by. Sure. You know, that's all. You can't turn the mind off, you know. I mean, unless you do, like, fentanyl or something like that, right? <laughs> you know, then you've got a good chance of switching it off for a bit. You just don't know if it'll come back on again, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? So, you know, of course, drugs are used as a kind of, like, search yeah. for that kind of consciousness, God consciousness, if you will. But it's a low-level one. It's not a high-level one. The high-level one comes from uh, patience, you know, uncomfortability, uh, sitting with what you don't want to sit with, you know, uh, being around the person you don't want to be with, you know, putting yourself in, in situations that, that, you know, and do, and not, and not reacting in the way that you want to. If it's observation and, and, and if, if meditation is becoming a better observer then hopefully one of the benefits of that is that it's letting you tap into these feelings but again i don't think you with and again this is my personal feeling but with meditation i don't think it's necessarily even about improvement it's not about you know uh, it's not based on the level of you know gotta 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 Mm. right if you've gotta 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 something there's another side to that too right which is you're not you're not you're not you're never going to get right it's not even on that scale, yeah. right? So you're not. That's why it's practice. There's no, perf- there's no performance. There is no, perf- right? 
So you never get there, you know. You never. There is nowhere to get to. That's so. In the sense of you get to be a better observer. I mean, I've heard about people who go, "Oh, yeah, you know, it came to me when I was meditating and all that." That's cool, um, but I, there's no, there's no, no need to necessarily get better at that. You've pretty much consistently been writing music since you were, it sounds like, about twelve. Yeah, man. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but maybe, maybe even younger. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Twelve. Twelve was the first song I put down. Yeah. Uh, with my friend Paul Holsworth, I, I, and we had a group that he started called. RVATS, which stood for Rex Volga and the Spewers. Um, we never played a gig. Uh, he was only a couple of years older than mm-hmm. me. And there was another guy called Simon Pemberton. And uh, it was really just... Very a, English name. Yeah. Paul Holdsworth, Simon Pemberton, and Royston <laughs> Langdon. And he still got, as far as I know, all the tapes. We made tapes and we made, you know, we made albums, uh, cassette tapes. And we'd do it... He, his dad had a reel-to-reel tape recorder. So... You could record on the left channel and then play it back through the speakers of the stereo whilst playing along to it, recording on the right mm. channel. And that's multi track recording, you it, see. It's a little homemade four tracker. Well, yeah. we, you or could do infinite. as many, yeah, yeah. As many tracks into you. Yeah. Obviously, you get, you know, degeneration. De- 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 that was, and the song was called Trans, uh, Transcendent Past. And I don't know why. It was very kind of, very kind of, you know, Bobby pompous and flowery yeah. kind of uh, <laughs> title, um, which I think, you know, I've constantly tried to move away from my whole songwriting career, and I've gotten further and further and further away from that, yeah. But that was the first song I remember putting down with Paul. And Paul, I think Paul really, I brought these lyrics in, and I had the tune, I knew I had the tune and the chords, I played the piano, you know. And he was like, yeah, I'm not sure about these words, you know. And that was, you know, he, he helped me change the words yeah. a bit. And uh, I think we took, I think we ripped off some words from the Smiths, I seem to remember. We just took them, we just put them in our song, you know. Seemed like a good thing to do. If you're going for pompousness, Morrissey's probably yeah, a good and flowers. <laughs> <laughs> and flowers. But, I mean, it's, it really has been a, a constant. There were never points in your life when you didn't, didn't do it. Yeah, I think there has been points when I didn't do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, yeah, there has been. There's yeah. been. There's been great kind of swages time where I thought, oh, I'm not any good, and you know that that yeah. that voice has drowned out my. Oh, you should give it a go, kind of mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. So what? What keeps motivating you? Well, I, you know, as I said, I think to improve, really. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just to improve, and 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 and, you know, I still love that feeling of of making that connection uh, with another human, you know, um, through a song, and I love it when I'm I experience that. So, you know, I was listening to some music this morning, and, mm. and I, you know, I'm I'm on the train. I'm like I'm like crying. I'm crying on the train coming over, and 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 I, and to be honest with you. I almost, I almost wanted to do that, you know, to to feel that feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what music can do better than any other art form. It can really, you know, it can really pull out of us, um, you know, it can really pull out of us something, you know, that mm-hmm. that that that's in there that is hard to access. Strike a chord. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's something about that 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 I just want to get better at, and uh, you know. Uh, there's not enough hours in the day for me 
on that front. Greetings from sunny Los Angeles. That was Royston Langdon, of course, of Space Hog. His wonderful new album, Leads, is out now. Thanks so much to him for taking the time to do that. Thanks to Mike at Earshot for helping set up that conversation. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the show. If you like the program, please spread the word. There are a number of ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook. If you have any feedback, it's rylcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That is the first and best place to get all of your RIYL-related information. That is rylcast.tumblr.com. And that's about it for this week. So stick around because we will be back just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL. 